Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The greatest F1 team. Hello everyone and welcome to part three of a very special seven part series where we've asked the question, what would the lineup of the greatest ever F1 team look like? From race engineer to team principal, lead driver to chief designer, and the not-so-coveted number two driver spot, we've set out to build an F1 team made up of the best there ever was. Our panel of motorsport experts across autosport.com, motorsport.com and GP Racing have all picked individuals throughout history that they believe are or were the greatest of all time. And in this series, we'll be discussing the careers and worthiness of the individuals that have made it into the top three for each job role. Now, so far, we've found our race engineer and our chief designer. So today, we're looking for our sporting director. Uh, I'm Jess, and to help me find one, I'm joined by James Allen, Jonathan Noble, Stuart Codling, and Luke Smith. So, James, is it fair to say that the role of the sporting director is one of the newer roles that has entered into F1? Yeah, I would say so. It's um, it's something that kind of has evolved from the 90s through the 2000s. It's it's an absolutely indispensable role in a Formula One team. And essentially what the sporting director does is they are the liaison between the team and the governing body, the FIA. So it's absolutely critical at race weekends. So it's critical that the team is always compliant with all the rules. So the cars are, you know, scrutinized, et cetera, but when they're racing as well. So it's the sporting director who uh, is on the radio to the uh, during the race to the, the FIA race director. It's the sporting director who goes to um, any stewards hearings. 
and makes the case and argues the case for, for the team. Uh, they are also the one who calls out for the pit crew to actually come out onto the apron and make the pit stop after the strategist has taken a decision that this is the right moment. Um, and they're also the ones that tend to oversee the pit stop practice. So if you want to look at them, they're a little bit like a cross between a sergeant major in the army. So they're more than a team manager uh, in that sense. But they're also, it's a lot of the intangibles of racing. It's the, the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And right now, when we're trying to get the racing restarted again, it's actually the sporting director level that's the ones that get a lot of the work done. How are we going to do this? How are we going to make sure that people social distance in the pad? All these type of things. It's the sporting director level that's making all that stuff happen. I think what's what's fascinating about the role as well is that almost the better job they do, the more anonymous they are. That if things run absolutely perfectly for the team, um, you know, they shouldn't crop up in, in any um, discussion. Um, it's only when things go wrong, if the you know, rule's broken, if the team doesn't get at the garage in time, if a pit stop goes wrong, or also when the, 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 we hear more about them. So often when, you know, they things run like clockwork, the driver's dominant, the praise is going somewhere else, but actually... You know, behind the scenes, they've played a really important role to get to that point. Absolutely. And maybe unsurprisingly, on our shortlist for our top three for this role, we've got three sporting directors who have each been involved in the last three periods of F1 dominance. Um, so you may have heard their names, uh, but as Jonathan's correctly pointed out, it's it's the, the, the kind of heroes behind the scenes that you're not always aware of. So first up... We're going to Red Bull and it's a certain Jonathan Wheatley who oversaw four straight championship doubles from 2010 to 2013 and still are regular race winners to this day. Uh, and he was one of the team's earliest appointments back in 2006 and has helped turn arguably what was seen as not the most serious of F1 outfits into its sixth most successful team in history. Now, transformation as impressive as the success, could we say? Well, he's certainly a very impressive individual in a sort of quietly understated way. Um, I, I, I met Jonathan for the first time, I think, beginning of the 2010 season, um, or before the beginning of the 2010 season. Um, I was freelancing at the time, and I was sent by the Red Bull magazine, the Red Bulletin, um, to go and watch the team being put through this sort of what seemed to be quite a weird set of physical and mental exercises at the National Sports Centre at Bisham Abbey. And, and Jonathan was there overseeing them. And, and he explained that it was because refuelling had been banned for that season, they'd realised that the, the time it would take for the, for the wheels to be changed would now be the arbiter of pit stop lengths. Whereas previously, it didn't really matter so much how if you took an extra couple of seconds over a wheel change because it would be taking eight or nine seconds for the fuel to go in. Now all of a sudden we were looking at pit stops of three seconds or even below that. So he had sent his entire pit crew down to, to Bisham Abbey to do this very intense two-day workshop of physical and mental exercises to sharpen them up in readiness for, the, for this new season, this new era without refueling. And, and just to be Im embedded in that team at that point was really interesting and exciting because they were in an incredibly competitive group of individuals. And, and he was just sort of there orchestrating it and making sure that the testosterone didn't go uh, a little bit out of control. Uh, and, and what was actually even more interesting after that was that they ended up not running that story in the Red Bulletin because they felt that it would give the game away about what they'd been up to to prepare for the season. I blame the writer. Yeah, it was a load of old rubbish. 
But there has been, I think, through this modern era of F1, I mean, we're, we're in a, a stage where it's all about marginal gains. And that's something that a lot of the great teams have always spoken about. They've always been very, very focused on. And um, Codders, as you rightly say, like pit stops are now the big marginal gain that teams can really work on. And when we saw the ban on refueling, pit stops were sort of around the, the three second mark and it's slowly come down and come down. And Red Bull have always sort of really put such a focus on it and try to be the gold standard on it and um, they won the uh, F1 award for the fastest pit stops over the season uh, for each of the past two seasons and uh, last year they beat the world record for the fastest pit stop three times not just once three times so that really I think is a testament to the operational work that um, Jonathan has done with the Red Bull team Um, because you've got to get those kind of little gains here and there because they can now be so so decisive uh, in, in Formula One racing. I mentioned earlier on as well, Luke, that the the role they play in in that sort of getting things done within Formula One. And uh, Jonathan was one of the people who was very instrumental in the virtual safety car. Obviously, after the tragedy of the Bianchi incident, there was a need to to figure out uh, something better. And it was, again, at that level that they started to to workshop that. And, And that's where the virtual safety car kind of came from. So their role generally, I think, within Formula One, let alone within a Formula One team, but within Formula One itself, I think shouldn't be underestimated. In second place in our list is a key part of the team that de- displaced Red Bull as the dominant force in F1. And that as of course is Mercedes and their sporting director, Ron Meadows. Now he's been with the team since the BAR days, if we're going way back when. So this isn't someone who parachuted into an already successful team. They've had to build it over time. And that's quite impressive longevity longevity to be with one team in one position for so long is it not i think one of the key things about mercedes is and especially what what ron's seen is the transformation of where teams were in the early 2000s to where they are now you, you're talking excess of a thousand people um and it's been through many transformations from bar under craig pollock all the way through to toto wolf but more recently there's a you know strong family spirit there uh it's um a team where toto lets people work in areas they excel at doesn't get too involved and you know Ron's been there he's been you know um you know loyal throughout it all and he's seen seen through on it as I said earlier you know the fact that there's been no major calamity on the sporting front the fact there's been no majors um you know controversies or disqualifications in the recent era shows the strength that Ron's put in there um and he's got no end of world championships under his belt too, which I think is testament to the job he's doing. Yeah, just basic stuff like ensuring a car goes to the grid with the the right tyres on if there's been a change of climactic conditions. Things that can be overlooked. You need to have that sort of person who who is detail-oriented but not a micromanager that ensures everything happens when it should be. And I think we... I think we saw one of the sort of uh, the epitome of the work that Ron has been doing uh, with Mercedes at last year's Chinese Grand Prix when uh, they were running one and two uh, were wary about losing trap position um, through the pit stops and they come up with the idea to do a double stack pit stop uh, with on the same lap so there was no need for uh, I think it was Valtteri Bottas running second behind Lewis Hamilton at the time uh, to, to wait behind him they had the pit stop so finely managed that Lewis was able to come in 
pit, tyres changed, and Bottas came in literally a second later, and they did the pit stop without losing any time. And that, I think, that was a real, I think, hallmark of just why Mercedes has been so great throughout this era of Formula One. It's it's ingenuity like that. But that is it's down to a human level, and that that is down to the sporting director at the top of it to really oversee all of that. And I mean, it even goes down to things like a, a Mercedes factory, how they've got their their office space set up. They think about every single detail to make it conducive to good work, positive work. And it, there's just a really a strong sort of harmonious vibe always coming out of Brackley. And I think a lot of credit for that has to go to Ron. He's a great character as well, Ron. I mean, he's, he's a scouser. He comes from Liverpool like myself. And we're both big fans of Liverpool Football Club. So there's always a few minutes spent uh, during uh, any race weekend when talking about the, the fortunes of our club, which obviously at the moment are, are, are pretty good fortunes. But he, he's a real passionate sports guy. He goes to a lot of games. He goes to lots of other sports events. And he's also his son, Michael, is a very, very good driver. He's won the Porsche uh, Super Cup series. I think he's a, I think he races for Audi now. He's a, but he, he makes a career, a good career as a sports car driver. And, um, and Ron was very heavily involved um, as well in uh, karting early days so he's he's really worked the whole gamut of racing you know he had his own Formula 3000 team when he was very young he was racing in America in IndyCar so he's really lived it um, around racing and he's got racing in his heart which which I think is something you can really tell uh, from the way he goes about his business. So we're all singing his praises but without giving away who we've put in at number one why isn't he in the top spot then with all this lovely uh, accolades that we are attributing to him and the success of Mercedes. Why haven't we put him as number one, do you think? I think because the guy who is number one is the guy who defined the role, really. He's the guy who, who sort of shaped it into the role that it is today and had equal amounts of success that, uh, that Ron's had. So I will move very swiftly on to who we have in our number one position. And of course, it had to be Stefano Domenicali, known by many as the team principal at Ferrari, but Domenicali was sporting director from 2002 until his promotion. And and that was a big spell of Schumacher success. So is it fair to say that we can attribute a lot of that success to him and his role as sporting director? Yeah, he put a lot of work into ensuring that the whole team was fit for purpose. Back in the day, teams, certainly the operational crew, might not necessarily have been in great physical shape as they could. They weren't necessarily um, as, as well drilled as they could be. And it was it was Stefano in, in tandem with Nigel Stepney who turned the Ferrari pit crew, for instance, into the phenomenally well-drilled organisation that it was. And you would find um, Stefano occasionally going for a run round the track after close of play of an evening and, and bringing people with him to ensure that they were sort of fit enough to be um, uh, to, to be working in the pit lane at maximum speed when, when a car came in. And it, it was a little bit like watching, watching the mother duck with her little ducklings. And uh, at, at that time, I thought, this is a bit weird. Um, but no, he was just basically redefining the role of, of, of what uh, a great pit crew should, should be. I mean, the other thing we need to appreciate about Stefano is dealing with Ferrari politics. Um, it's you know a very difficult team to to try and navigate. Um, you've got many competing interests. You've got the pressure of the Italian nation on you as well. Um, and Stefano, you know, he did have days where you know he was put under the spotlight. I remember Fuji in two thousand and seven when the race started under the um, safety car and the drivers. The FI sent an email um, telling drivers they need to start on the, the full wets, I believe. And there's a bit of controversy because Ferrari claimed they never got that email in time. Kimi was on the wrong tires, had a pit stop. At the time, they are 
um, were fighting for the World Championship. And they went through the, the process and, you know, Stefano proved that email didn't arrive in time. But it was the sort of thing, as you saw with Chris Dyer in the early episode, you know, these little incidents can sometimes be used against an individual uh, to come through. And the fact, you know, Stefano had this moment in the spotlight, the moment under pressure and was, you know, a month later made effective team principal, I think says a lot about his position. Yeah, because I think one of the things a sporting director needs to be, and I think they're good sort of trainee team principals in many ways, they need to be a politician. Uh, to, to succeed in Formula One, you need to be strong in the tangibles, which is, you know, having the, enough money to do it, having the cars, built, you know, designing the cars, making sure everything runs really, really well. But you also have to be really good at the intangibles, which is the human factor, the, the sort of working around the rules and, the, you know, all that sort of stuff that happens behind the scenes and and Stefano was was I think the guy who kind of defined that really and there was plenty of examples with Ferrari of going very very close to the wind and sometimes crossing over the limit but I think if a lot of Formula One fans um, would remember seeing him in video uh, of course in the 1998 uh, Belgian Grand Prix where Schumacher had crashed into the back of David Coulthard in the rain and uh, was incensed because he thought that Coulthard had got in his way deliberately to, to take the win away from him. And he went down to basically rip Coulthard's head off. And he, I was standing in the pit lane working for ITV and, and, and he walked past, Schumacher went past me, pursued by Stefano wearing his raincoat, like trying to catch up with him just to, to make sure that he didn't take David Coulthard's head off. And he was sort of, he's the one who's sort of restraining him and trying to bring him back. So even that job of effectively being a bouncer falls under the remit of being a sporting director. I think that the, the, the point Johnny raised about the, the politics is something that we can't really underplay, can it? Particularly in in, in Ferrari, the, with, like I said earlier, the, the Italian media hovering over you all the time. Um, the uh, w Working for Ferrari must be a little bit like being in Game of Thrones, but without the dragons and gratuitous nookie at times, mustn't it? Because there's always someone ready to thrust the knife into your back, wanting to steal your position. And although Stefano... In, in his position as team principal, did eventually fall foul of the Ferrari politics. To have had that long a career and to have taken that many body blows from things going wrong here and there just goes to show what a great operator he was. And I guess in that sense, then becoming the team principal shows just how good he was at managing all of that political, both internally and externally. Uh, so can we say that that is potentially the best nod to a sporting director to then be promoted into that top dog position? Yeah, I think as James said, it's, your, it's your, you're sort of the team principal in waiting if you're doing a great job like that. With Stefano, I think when he became the team principal, perhaps not having someone quite as good as he was at that sporting director role was, was one of the challenges he had. And essentially, the, it was a super team that uh, Ferrari had uh, prior to that was Jean Todd, Ross Braun, Ma Paolo Martinelli, Rory Byrne, Stefano Domenicali, Michael Schumacher. And, and it was very hard for Stefano to recreate that after they'd all sort of disbanded. It just didn't quite have the people in the right places. And, and, um, and that's why uh, it wasn't the success that the, the previous era had been. And the best testament to his brilliance is what he's done for Lamborghini. I mean, since he left Ferrari, you know, went into a job that many were questioning why on earth you know, would he go and do that role? What qualities has he got for this? Uh, and he's done a sensational job. You know, the, the, the road car company uh, has been, you know, going through it. Stefano has been linked with new jobs in F1, jobs of team principals, but he's happy where he, where he is right now uh, and doing a, a fantastic job. 
I think that also stretches over to the FIA side as well. Um, his, his other sort of involvement uh, post Ferrari, looking at sort of the re-runging of the um, uh, junior ladder, getting Formula Four, Formula Three, Formula Two, and establishing all of that just to make it much clearer as how a junior driver gets from karting to Formula One. And I think that that probably speaks to Stefano's sort of wider impact as well that he's not just looking at what can I do for uh, as he was with Ferrari or Lamborghini but for motorsport as a whole so I think it's uh, yeah uh, he's worn so many hats I think uh, throughout his uh, his uh, many uh, many years in this his great sport and he's done a, an excellent job all around and if people want to um, have a listen to Stefano as he is today as the, t- the CEO of Lamborghini and the and the president of the single seat commission as, as Luke says we did a hashtag thinking forward interview with him which is on the Autosport podcast so people can have a go back and have a listen to that and uh, and you can hear the clarity of thought and he's actually playing his part now uh, in that FIA position that he has he's uh, playing his part in the reset of motorsport for coming out of this coronavirus crisis so as Johnny referenced he's definitely still very much around the scene and I wouldn't rule out seeing Stefano in some capacity uh, back in Formula One at some point in the future. We actually have a message from the man himself so for uh, let's hear what he thinks about us placing him at number one. Hi to everyone to all motorsport.com readers and viewers uh, first of all I hope you are safe and well. I've discovered that I'm part of the legendary F1 team this makes me very proud and happy so once again thank you so much be safe and let's get out from these unreal times all together, sharing the passion for the motorsport. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Ciao. Brilliant. So our attempt at building F1's greatest team is really starting to take shape now with almost half of our positions in place. Next up, we've got some really big names as we discuss who will be our technical director. So look out for that episode and make sure you let us know if you agree with our appointments so far. Have we picked the best of the best or is there someone we have glaringly missed out? Let us know and make sure you join us for that next episode and all the next episodes in this series. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The Just Because deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. From me? Yep. Why? Because it's morning and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. You don't need a reason when the one and only hot and melty sausage McMuffin with egg is just two fifty. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.